Good morning, everybody. Woo! Yeah, it's a good crowd for holiday weekend. Glad to see you here. Please continue to, you know, visit with one another. Say hello. See faces you haven't seen for a while. We're gonna kick off some worship here. Invite you to join us. Invite you to stand with us if you'd like. And a little bit different this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this day that you've given to us, this moment in time to gather together as believers, brothers and sisters, to celebrate you, to worship you, to lift our voices and turn our hearts towards your word. Lord, this morning to remember your sacrifice, as we also remember the sacrifice of so many brave and faithful men and women from our arms, armed services and our country's history, those who are still out there serving today and putting themselves on the line, Lord, we pray for freedom. Lord, we also acknowledge that that's a shadow of the ultimate freedom that is given in you through the gift, the salvation, the rescue that is found in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we want to celebrate both of those things today, the imprint that you've given to the human heart, the desire of freedom, to desire that which is righteous, to see justice among our people, but Lord, reminded always that that all springs from you. So Lord, we praise you, we celebrate you, we love you, we thank you for every good thing. Be with us now as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Words be here on the screen behind us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust his
said it's going to be a little bit different today, but that's what I'm going to share some scripture with you here in just a moment that relates to our overall thing today, which is sacrifice. And on this day in our country, of course, this weekend marks the holiday, Memorial Day. We all probably recognize it in our modern day. It's a, it's a wonderful two-day weekend. Lots of barbecues. Our neighborhoods filmed in a couple sites later this afternoon with some of our new neighbors. But it's always good to keep in remembrance what this weekend is really about. And it's that tomorrow is a day to mark in memory those who have, I mean, unbelievably given the ultimate sacrifice their lives in service to this country. And certainly we talk about this here at Christ Community Church around the 4th of July and other holidays. You, you might notice we're not a, a severely, I don't know, nationalistic or political church. It's not really about that, but we love this country. And uh, we recognize that she's not perfect because we're not perfect. Our leaders are not perfect. But of all the countries that mark the face of this earth, she is unique. It's given us an unbelievable freedom here in the United States that has been purchased from its very beginning with the blood of patriots and servants who have watered that tree of freedom. And so uh, this next video acknowledges that, um, commemorates that, um, but uh, I would also like to recognize anyone here if you would like to, if you have served armed forces or as a, a first responder, because again, here in the United States, uh, September 11th, 9-11 uh, sort of moved our first responders to a, a different place in our cultural understanding, didn't they? Because they became frontline warriors in the face of terror. And so if you have served or plan to serve in our armed forces or as a first responder, would you please stand? And so, as we typically do on this weekend, we acknowledge the sacrifice of those who have given their lives in service to us. And we say they have given their lives in service to our country. They have given their lives in service to us. And so, we have freedom today. And then we always, always point to really the talk about that in just a few minutes, and then I'm going to invite you to come and receive elements, and I think, hopefully we've got enough. We've got 40, right, Jason? 40. Right, so, yeah, we're not going to be sure. <laughs> we weren't sure what our attendance would be today, but we're close. Um, so, uh, we'll invite you to come and partake in that meal in just a few minutes. But first, this video, and then I'll share some scripture.
just think of me in, in some environments. Uh, I haven't heard it in a long time because we don't do that here because Kenny Wright is going to have a place to stay. And we can make room here for lots of guests. So we have to tell them. But I imagine it's probably still being used in some quarters uh, because it, it is a compelling story and it's, it's moving. But it sort of misses the mark. And it's a story of, of a, a man who's a, a train track uh, engineer. He doesn't work on the train. He works in the, the switch house that switches tracks to the trains. And uh, he gets word that there's a train coming down the tracks. And it's filled with people. And if someone doesn't go and do some work out on the track, it's going to crash and they're all going to perish. And his son is there with him, working, and he sends his son out and says, go out there and do that work on the track. And the son goes out there and he begins to work, and the timing isn't working out, and he can't accomplish what he wants to. And then the, the, the track engineer realizes that there's a, another decision that he can make in the switch house where if he, he switches a switch a certain way, it'll save the train, but it'll kill his son. And he has to make a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to save my son? Or am I going to, and if I save my son, I'm going to let the people on the train perish, or am I going to do what I know I have to do and save everyone on that train and sacrifice my son? And it's lifted up sometimes as a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and loosely you can make that association, but it has one significant fatal flaw, and that is in this story of the train track and the man with his son the son has no knowledge. The son has no choice. It's just happenstance that he's out there and in a position where his sacrifice would matter. And that is not the story of Jesus Christ. In fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ willingly, he said from his own mouth, I willingly lay down my life. Full knowledge. Now, we think about this, this holiday, this weekend, these lives of those that some of us know, family members, siblings maybe who have been lost in the wages of war. And they're more similar in their efforts and then in their ultimate sacrifice to Jesus than they are to the boy in the story. Because I've never met anyone who joined the military that one of the things they didn't think about the day that they went to sign the papers was that they might be offering themselves not just to serve, not just to work, not just to labor, but maybe, maybe to die, doing their duty in the course of what they've been asked to do. And it's an extraordinary thing still in this country, out of, again, almost every other country on, on the face of the planet, our military right now is 100% volunteer. Those thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of soldiers and airmen, coasties, marines, sailors, Every one of them made a conscious decision to walk into a recruiter's office and sign their name to a page that said that they would serve a minimum two to four years for their country. It makes me sad at times to see the way things turn in our modern culture and that that type of sacrifice, that type of commitment isn't honored in the way that it once was. Our nation sits in the midst of great turmoil. We've watched it unfold for the last two years in ways that we could not have imagined in both political ways and social manners, cultural and idealistic war happening among our people in our streets, in our cities. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I lament those. I, I grieve over those. I grieve over 
lives lost to injustice. I grieve over lives uh, lost to, to wanton violence. I grieve over political ideals that don't value human life. I grieve over political ideals that don't value the freedom that God has given to every human being who lives on the face of the planet, and yet so much of our planet lives under the thumb of repressive government, totalitarianism, and dictatorships. And then we here in this country abuse our freedom, our liberty, or we reject it and desire something else. It's baffling to me. It's confusing to me until I remember that this is the human condition. This is the flaw. This is the stain. This is the disease of sin that harms every single person on the face of the earth. And the remedy, the remedy is not a happenstance event where someone by accident paid a price for the sin of humanity in order that they might be saved. It was intentional. It was purposeful. It was decisive. When our men and women sign their name to those dotted lines and, and conscript themselves into the service of our country, it is indeed a shadow of what Jesus talks about in John chapter 15. If you want to go there with me, I'll invite you to. Probably for most of us, if we're uh, church-going folks, a really familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter 15, and I'm going to start in verse 12. Although, I will say this is another one of those. This whole section here, um, previous chapters, and, and then continuing on after chapter 15, go back to chapter 12, chapter 13. And this is, if you want to know about Jesus and you want to know some theology, you want to learn who God is and how he wants for us to be and how he wants for us to live and interact with one another, this is rich. This is deep. Um, we just went through the book of Mark. Next uh, January, we might, I don't know, Jay, we might take off the book of John again. We haven't been in there for a while uh, in total. But if, you, if you're just wanting to, if you hunger to know about the Christian life and who you should be and how you should follow Jesus, it's hard to find a better place to go than the book of John because uh, it is so many layers of understanding for us about who Jesus is. And this is one of the fundamentals here. This is one of the cores right here. So starting in verse 12, John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus speaking now, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now we're going to stop there for just a moment. First of all, understand, note, that when Jesus says this, he doesn't say, this is something I'd like you to try. This is a, this is a strong suggestion. If you think it's a good idea, you might try this. None of that. It's one of the few times that Jesus says very explicitly, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now that idea is actually a, a little bigger Jesus has addressed this same issue before in a different way with a different crowd of people, and, and actually more than once. And in fact, God the Father has addressed this issue much, much earlier than this conversation happens. And Jesus, in a way, is actually referring back to that. And uh, I, always, I always pray when I start to approach this particular topic and, and these passages of Scripture that our Christ Community Church folks, I hope, I hope, I hope you're never bored. Because this is the core of the gospel that God has given to us. It's the goal of what God is trying to achieve with us when he calls us to repentance in Jesus Christ. This is what he's after. Alright, so another time that Jesus spoke about this was when the Pharisees asked him, what is the greatest commandment? 
grace. Remember, Jesus said, this is, this is my commandment to you. Love one another as I have loved you. All right, so we harken back to another time when people ask him, so what's the greatest commandment? There's a lot of commandments. Which, which one's greater? And they were really speaking in terms of the Ten Commandments. That's the question they were asking. Of the Ten Commandments, which one is the greatest? And Jesus, like he does so many times when people ask him questions, especially when they're trying to trap him, he just, he just oh, takes a left turn and goes somewhere else. And he kind of says, you know, you're asking a question, but you're, you're sort of asking the wrong question, because you're asking me about the Ten Commandments, but there's a commandment came before that. And the reason we have the Ten Commandments is because the, the commandments that God gave before that, you guys seem to struggle with the simplicity of that, and so God felt like he had to line it out for you a little bit more. And if we notice, in those Ten Commandments, there are five that relate to our relationship to God, and there are five that relate to our relationship with one another. And that early commandment, all the way back in, in, in Exodus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the command that Jesus gave. So when they said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is like unto it and all of the law of the prophets. All of the, the law and the prophets hang on this thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He's saying to them, look at my example. Look at what I have done. Because we know for sure that Jesus has loved God, the Father, with everything that is in him. No missteps, no mistakes. He has loved the Father with everything that he is. And he has shown them time and time again how he loves others. He loves them. He has loved the harlot. He has loved the adulteress. He has loved the faithless servant. He has loved the spiritual leader who questions in the dark. Has loved his enemies. And he says, I want you to be just like me. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. I don't have to work too hard to make the connection with that to what we're talking about today, right? No, no greater love. There's no act of love that any of us could hope to express or perform or speak of or declare that is any greater, any mightier, any more moving, any more meaningful than to be willing to lay down our lives for a friend. Of course, we know because we've got hindsight. He's, he's speaking about something that's going to happen, right? But he's not only speaking of that. Because if, if we were to take this story of Christ, and let's say just for a moment, we we don't know that the crucifixion is going to happen. Because the, the, the disciples don't. Right now, he's speaking of something that they still don't grasp. And we know this because after, after the resurrection, they're confused. Or after the crucifixion, they're confused, right? So they, they still don't fully grasp it. So even if they knew what he was talking about, they still wouldn't quite be able to get it. So let's Let's pretend for a moment that we also don't know that he's speaking of the future and of his crucifixion. 
in what ways then might he suggest that they lay down their lives for their family? Is he speaking exclusively about dying? About being in a circumstance where you give your life for someone else? Most of us have probably never been circumstance where we even approach having to make that choice, but maybe some of you have. But I would suggest to you that because Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as I have loved you, that there is a way for us to lay down our lives for our friends. That isn't quite giving up our physical breath and our physical body, although it could be that. Further in Scripture, in so many places, that if, if you get over into the letters that were written among the churches, like the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those those letters, and First John, Timothy, James, you find in those so many descriptions of the way in which we are to lay down our lives for our friends, for our brothers and our sisters, and that's to serve one another. Maybe in the church, certainly in our culture, that, that results in this lack of respect for those who serve this country and a lack of respect for the freedom that, that America provides, even those who definitely have some flaws. It's that we've become increasingly a more inwardly focused and narcissistic society. Talk about the church and choose churches because they have a better lighting system or a better sound system, and the band is better, or the preacher is funnier. Sorry, um, you get more humor when Jason preaches nine times out of ten than you do for me. It's the way it works. Um, they got a they got a fancier children's department. Um, I don't understand how many times I've broken my heart over the last twenty five years in this church. We love your church pastor, but we need a we need a better children's program. Oh, would you like a serving church? No. Got it. And yet, this is what Jesus calls us to: not to be so concerned with what we want and what we desire and what we think is great, but to be knit together in a way that we serve one another. One of the things we love about the people of this church is that. Does this all the time, year after year? But I see you out there in the community. A lot of times, I get that peace through your cell phone and stuff like that. I see you friends with people and pouring your lives into people and traveling and doing ministry for people, serving them when they need you to serve them. I see you looking for opportunities to assist others who are in need. Just not supposed to be. I was at a, a little conference the other day 
we were talking about church planting and church replanting. And there was just about ten of us here that had been invited for this uh, special event in, in uh, West Side Baptist Church, by the way, for those who don't know. That's what we ended up the last Baptist Convention. I served for two years as the president, so I, I got to, to be part of these work groups to be trying to increase the reach of the gospel in, in the state of Alaska. And I'm, I'm still excited about that because our current leadership wants to, to join with other like-minded organizations that want to say narrow, right? And uh, I know that uh, Randy Jennings great friends with uh, Tim Stamberg from uh, North, and, and that connection has been made, and I love that. So it's always baffling to me. Why are we not talking to each other about this stuff? We're doing the same work. Let's, let's work together. And so I see that happening. But we're, we're in this meeting, and we're talking about... Um, both in the state of Alaska, where are some places we can identify that, that maybe we can play the church? And then we're also talking about where are some places where churches are really struggling that need to be replanted. If they don't do something, they're going to die. In fact, I saw a statistic from a friend of mine yesterday who was in this work that in the United States we planted 3,000 new churches last year, 2020. The churches that need to be replanted. So we began to identify some of those, and then the final step was okay. We, we've identified places where we want to plant or where replant maybe needs to happen. What are some churches that would be good to, to assist with that? And the list began to form, and I totally endorse the list because they're friends of mine. They're churches that are strong, they're vibrant, they're growing. And they would be healthy to be able to help that. And then somebody said, I think your church should be on that list. Really? Thanks, but we don't have a fit bank account. We don't have a ton of people resources. We have a building, but we try to use that as much as we can. Works uh, core team here with us this morning. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. And our first, amen. You didn't get clogged in. Let's listen. How about sacrifice? They've been working their tails off to get this place ready for teams to arrive. When did they arrive, Larry? Today. Right? So, um, God bless their sacrifice. So, we have this building that we try to use in ways that stretch beyond this Sunday morning meeting time. And I was kind of baffled by that. And then he said, he said, no, he said, look, I look back on your history. He's known us for a long time. He said, I just see the number of people that have come into your church. And you've ordained a lot of ministers, speakers that are now out there doing other things. And, and you grow people, and then they go somewhere else, and they start something new. Go to another church and they get engaged and do something that didn't happen before. Um, and you know, the latest example of that is I don't know if you're watching today, but there are 11 guys, Tyler and Terry and their family, came here and, and really got their feet in ministry. And then we, like, gave them up, right? We sent them to the camp and said, This is a worthy thing, go and do this. So that's kind of neat. It's different. I thought, hmm, kind of true. That's who we're supposed to be. It's a church that equips people to go and do. To find a place here where they can grow into what God calls them to. I don't know. But at the end of the day, if it's a big church, blowing and going, a great children's thing with an airplane that hits in the ceiling, or uh, you know, a, a better worship band, they're out there. Uh, certainly there's better preachers than this guy standing here, there's no doubt about that. Whatever it is, what I want us to be is a church that grasps the idea of sacrifice, of loving our neighbors, of loving our friends so much that we're willing to give of our lives. That's what it means to lay down your life for your friends. It doesn't just mean to die. It means to give your life to them in love. And in doing so, you will love them as Jesus has loved us. You are my friends. Yes, you do what I command you. 
know the scripture is filled with yes statements. Or sometimes when we were doing a little QA thing there, I think there was something that said, What about God's unconditional love? It is unconditionally offered. It is offered to anyone who will receive. But it is not offered without condition. So we must repent. We must believe. We must follow in order to receive the benefit of the love that he offers. Even Romans tells us that his salvation is a gift, it's offered. Freely offered, the gift is available to anyone who will take it, but if you don't take the gift, you won't get the benefit. So Jesus says here, This is my commandment that I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. For no greater love has anyone than this, but they would lay down their life for their friends. You are my friends if. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to this table. Uh, we have, as he tells me, there are 40 people in this room. I hope he's done it correctly because that would be cool, man. I'm going to, if it's true, I'm going to tell that story. Because that's a God thing right there. But we'll see. Our little individual packets, little cup, and there's a lid on top that you peel off, and inside that lid is a little wafer. Sometimes people get confused and they go, "I don't know where the bread is." It's in the lid, and you pull it apart. Sometimes you get a little tiny. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to come, and I want you to consider.